1: Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash inner academy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are.
2: hurt me during spiritual practice is getting attached to the beautiful form of the guru,
0: the physical being. And then one day, unfortunately, he or she drops the body. And then I hear intellectually that what matters
2: is the inner guru. The guru is actually inside. Can you please talk
0: about
2: that inner guru, because I don't want to let that go. Everybody who's ever been born has died. Period. Everyone. George Washington died. Ramakrishna died, Ramana Maharshi died, Buddha died. This is an absolute truth that everyone who's born dies. If there was a being who was a true guru, they know what the truth of things is. That's why they are considered to be a guru. That being is not at all attached to their physical body. They do not identify with that physical body. They've taken that physical body to get your attention because we are, we are meat puppets and we only have meat puppet eyes. <laughs> and we only see other meat puppets. So those great beings pour themselves into one of these puppet forms for us to get our attention. Otherwise what's gonna happen, right? We just live and die and we don't wake up ever. They get our attention. That's the sacrifice that a great guru makes. They take this limited form for our sake, out of compassion for us. Now, our job is to get completely attached to that physical form. Because it's just so much more beautiful than anything we've ever seen. And then, For our sake, they die. They leave that body, and the body falls over, they burn it, they bury it, they do something. And then we have to go, now what was that about? I'm dying here. I can't believe this. How could this guy do this to me? And then one day we have to make the decision, well, I thought the love was out there. I need that love. Where am I going to find it? In here. What I felt in here was that was a button that pushed that got pushed to help me feel something. Where did you feel it? In here. You didn't feel it over there. You didn't feel it over there. You felt it in here. You feel it in here. That's where it is. So the shock of losing that kind of love in the world, with a a being, that's a guru, ultimately drives you to find it within. That's why they called you, and that's why you did the response. This is the response. This is the echo already. This is the coming back. And, you know, you'll suffer as long as you suffer. There's no... It's not really even up to you. I went through the same thing. My guru left his body, and I thought my life was over. I truly believed that my life was over, that I would never be happy again. Absolutely believed that 100%. And as a result of believing that I would never be happy, I. All my self-destructive tendencies just came to the surface, and because it was the sense, you know, I'm never, I'm not going to be happy. It doesn't matter what I do. So I got involved in every self-destructive thing I could figure out to do, and being, uh, being very uh, ambitious. I got really good at it. And, uh, but, you know, I was getting more and more unhappy. And more and more despair. But something happened and I, I, I recognized that I had to look for this inside of me. It was the last place I wanted to look. You know, I'd rather do anything else but look inside of me. Because to look inside of you, you have to look at yourself. And we hate ourselves. Why would we want to look at that? Well, we have to look at self-hatred. That's not fun. We have to look at pride. That's not fun. We have to look at selfishness. That's not fun. We have to look at shame. That's not fun. Nothing about this was going to be fun. But... I had exhausted all the alternatives. So that's what my guru did for me. He got me out on the edge of a limb and then he cut the limb down. And I had no option. I had to look here. I did not want to. I did not want to sing with people. I was hiding out. I was not doing nothing, but I, I realized, like a thunderbolt, that if I didn't sing with people, I would never clean out the dark corners in my own heart, the shadows in my own life. And I knew that that was the only thing causing me suffering. So I was fucked. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I get emails saying,
0: yoga people shouldn't talk like that.
2: (laughs) Well, what are you going to do? Go listen to somebody else. What am I going to do? I I have cleaned up quite a bit. But, you know, I'm from New York. What the fuck are you going to do? You okay? Don't lie, you're suffering, but that's good. It's good. The longing is the only thing that's gonna save you. And you're gonna have to do it. No one's gonna do it for you. You are gonna have to get over this, you're gonna have to work through this, you're gonna have to be with this, you're gonna have to suffer and burn until you're ready. You can't make it go away, you can't make it go faster, you can't slow it down. You have the only one option. Which is the same option that you used to think you have, but it wasn't real then. It's real now, and that is surrender. Accept this. Live with it. It's your best friend, believe it or not. It's your well wisher. This is your guru calling you, dragging you right into yourself and you're fighting every step of the way. It's okay. He knows that. He's stronger than you, so he's not worried. You shouldn't worry either. It's a done deal. Yeah.
0: Hello, um, I have a question about the practice itself. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many different chantings, so many different mantras, and I like all of them. But I do feel natural res- resonance with certain of them, and I just want to keep singing those ones. With, with what?
2: What do you say you feel naturally? Uh,
0: resonance, like natural liking of certain chants. Yeah, sure, yeah. And I want to just keep singing those, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's a good thing. Is there because some particular calling for me for you know, that let me, particular chanting, or is let it me better ask you a to question. expand? Yeah.
2: Why would you do what you didn't like?
0: It's not that I don't like the other ones, I like them, but I like certain ones better. Yeah, so? So, is it okay?
2: That's like, that's like falling in love with uh, Frank and going out with Tom. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, you'll be thinking so, about Frank.
0: Okay, so is there any meaning in it? Is this, does it mean that it's something that I really need, or there is just no meaning, I just do what know. I like?
2: Be happy. Do what you like.
0: Okay. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Um, Hi. You mentioned two things which sound paradoxical to me. One is...
2: I don't doubt it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. It's having willpower, and at the same time, uh, our thoughts and desires are what gets us trapped here.
2: Say that again. Having willpower and? And having thoughts, basically, and desires.
1: Yeah. Isn't it paradoxical? How? Because, I mean, like, if thoughts and desires keeps it attached to whatever it is, having willpower kinds of um, brings us more thoughts and more desires.
2: Not necessarily. Mostly, we don't have any willpower, and we just go with whatever hap- arises all day long. Like we're asleep, you know, we're just floating. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. Let's hear. Let's be. A-. And we're not ex- exercising our willpower at all. We're just going along with a, a flow of stuff, right? And we're not in touch with our deeper desires and the things that we really want in life. That's that was my point. Yeah, and. Um, Yeah, I was doing lots of stuff, but I was just, you know, uh, because I didn't, I was in a place where I hadn't quite got with the program again, yet. You know, like that this could really be a life that I could really do this, I could really live in a good way, so I was just, this was like one of the first wake-up calls I got about, you know, about kind of, if you want to surrender, This is the goal of of yogic practice, is surrender. Not surrender of your... your, It doesn't mean giving up. It means taking your head and offering it to your true nature, to your being. How are you going to get that head off if you don't know where it is? You know? It's like willpower is gathering yourself together getting the things in your life that you want, letting the things go that don't work for you. You're exercising wisdom because you're measuring everything against what you really want. You're focusing your life. You're taking the step after step in the right direction. It's your muscles that have to be developed. They're already gone. They are just called you. They called us. Now we're responding. We don't know where they are, we're going step by step. But it's our muscles that are moving ourself. Our will, our personal will, is the energy, the shakti that we need to enter into that loving presence again and again and again. To remind ourselves, to remember what we really want when we get distracted by something. To remember that we're actually sitting here meditating you know, and that we're not out uh, watching a movie and playing back the reviews in our head. You know, this is will, is necessary for this. But we don't exercise that will in our daily life. So how are we going to get it in our, in our inner life? It's not going to just show up. We have, to, we have to kind of gather ourselves in and get strength to be ourselves and then we become a good vessel for that love to be poured into or to, pour, to, be, to, to fill up with. But we have to do that. We have to cup our hands. It's raining everywhere, but unless we cup our hands, we get no water to drink. This is what, what I mean by willpower. Part of the thing is that we, the way so-called spirituality is shared here, is that you're not supposed to have desires. Desires are bad. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't go along with that. There's no supposed tos. You have to be who you are. We weren't born in, in a cave in the Himalayas. And if we went to a cave in the Himalayas right now, we'd have a satellite dish, rugs, TV, everybody, maybe even somebody to cook us dinner. We're not, if we were supposed to be there, we would be there. We have lots of desires. There's nothing wrong with those desires. What we need to do is figure out how to live a good life as the person we are, with all our stuff. And for that, you need some focus. You need to pay attention. And that takes, that's willpower. Hey. Hi. I'm just wondering uh, I don't know if it's a kind of a weird question but what does it feel like when the Guru is calling you that you go to them what does that feel like? You usually don't know you know you, you, you don't get you you never know what, what's going on you just go walk around a corner and there it is you know you, you can't you don't. they don't let us... We don't know these things first, you know, I mean... But give back the mic. What do you, when you say the guru calls you, what do you mean by that? I, I mean that, this, for example, what I've read about your life and the story you told about the man that came and said, why did you call me here? Why am I here? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I mean, is what does it feel like to have that call? Well, he was a very... Mahara, this was Mr. Tuari who was... Uh, a great yogi, and he uh, had other ways of knowing things that are beyond what I, I know, I have. So I don't know what his experience was. But the one way you can find out what, you can experience what the call of the guru is, is your longing. What do you really want? Your longing for love is the, is the calling out it's the response already it's the, it's the response that's how you can know what you want in life so each person experiences it differently and would, would ex, and would explain it in a different way because you're you, I'm me, somebody else is them but it basically will come down to what pulls you, you know most in your life? What is it that's the most meaningful call that you respond to? You know? That's, and for me, I would call it love. You know? But love is is a big general word, you know? And what what I used to think was real love doesn't seem to last. So that can't be real love you know once i was so love love is not between two things love is who we are love is what lasts 24 hours a day 365 days a year love is our true nature that's the love that i want i'll take some of the other stuff if, every once in a while just for fun but i don't expect it to be real love I don't expect it to last forever and I don't expect it to make me happy in the way that I know that that unconditional being makes you happy it's a different thing so you know it's, it's all about kind of really inhabiting your life fully being you at 100 miles an hour you know, really be present with stuff. What are you doing now? What are you doing now? What do you want? Don't float. Don't wake up, you know. Be present. Because our our thoughts and emotions, they they travel along well-worn kind of paths. And they'll just keep going on those paths. Unless we do something. Unless we recognize what's going on. And we spend most of our time just like sleepwalking, you know, all day long. So, that's why Maharaji said over and again, you know, from repeating these names, from singing these names, we ripen ourselves. It's a ripening process, it's not a learning process, it's a ripening process. Through the repetition of these names, And other spiritual practices, we're ripening our karmas. We're becoming ourselves more fully. And we become, we recognize our true self eventually. And it's not something else. It's not somewhere else. It's not somebody else. It's not something else. It's who we are underneath all the things we think we are. They don't usually, you know, call you up like this. Hey, I just got to New York, get over here. That usually doesn't happen. Hi. Um, Could you speak about the nature of grace and the nature of the mother? My mother? Sure, but I was talking about the, like, the Divine Mother. I haven't met her. I don't know much about that stuff, you know? Um, Somebody once said to me, you don't talk about God very much. And I said, yeah, I know. I don't know God very much. I know my stuff, and what prevents me from being happy. And what causes me suffering. That's the stuff I look at. That's the stuff that I observe as I do my practices. That's the stuff I try to let go of. I'm not so much into that other, looking at it the other way. It never worked for me. Anything I can think about and imagine, and uh, it was, it's not enough for me. It doesn't last. Some big mood comes along and screws it up. I'm tired of that. I don't want to spend any energy with things that aren't going to last. You know, I just got one life here. I'm just, I want to do it the best I can. This is the way it works for me. You can read all about that stuff. There's all kinds of books about that to read. But for me, for me, who spent most of their life in India bowing at temples I'm telling you that that's not the most meaningful thing for me. The nitty-gritty is the stuff that turns me off, that makes me feel separate from other people, that, that causes fear and shame and guilt and all that stuff that I don't want to look at. That's the meaningful stuff for me because I know that's the only thing between me and my true self, which is Maharaji, which is that love. And that's what I want to get rid of. I want to get, I want that stuff to go away.
0: Leave me alone. But it
2: doesn't seem to go very far. So I just keep rom-roming and doing the best I can. I don't know, you're talking to a depressive. Depressives don't like to talk about that kind of stuff. (laughs) Stuff. What we used to call that, um, come on. You know, love and lighters in the old days, the, there were love and lighters. They walked around like this all the time. Hi, how are you? Isn't it so beautiful?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: nah, I mean, everybody, whatever, whatever gets you through the night, God bless you. But leave me alone. Now everybody has their own way. It's all good. And, you know, the more you do this stuff, the more you see what works for you. The more you, you want to be real. And you don't want to spend your time with things that don't feel real and don't f- have kind of a, 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 inner head, a inner weight, you know, uh, a, 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 a kind of the weight of truth, you know, the weight that feels, you know, and um, I'm just made a certain way, so... Uh, Yeah.
0: So I was asking about the nature
2: of grace. Grace. Uh, Grace is getting married in August. I'm going going this year. Oh, really? Uh I hope it's grace. Uh, grace is an interesting thing. That Grace is a big thing. I, it's very difficult to talk about grace because grace is... You can't... Nobody deserves grace. The nature of grace is that it's graceful. It's grace. Right? It's like this weird thing. You can't... How can you talk about it? You can't... and what is what is that thing that's grace well you know being at peace being uh at ease in your heart being uh f- feeling that uh you know at ease in yourself that could be a state of grace a graceful state a lot of times you know, in Western religions, grace is, is, is from somebody up there in the sky. I don't see anybody. So I don't know what to think. We talk about blessings in the East, blessings of the saints, blessings of the divine. Blessings are always flowing because that's the nature of these beings. That's, that's actually the nature of God it's always flowing it's just we're not cupping our hands we're too busy doing other stuff so um, St. Paul wrote something he said by grace was I saved through faith interesting by grace was I saved through faith his faith saved him his confidence that this was true saved him from all his stuff but that confidence that faith only came from grace but what is grace? you can't earn grace and there wouldn't be grace it would be somebody giving you something. Grace isn't given, grace is. So these, it's a very difficult concept. Maharaja used to do amazing things. He, he changed people's lives, he brought the dead back to life. He, 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 you know, I don't know if that's grace. It's blessings, for sure. But grace is, is when somehow or other, all of a sudden, You have a moment where you see things clearly, where you're sitting right at the center of yourself, and everything's okay. Grace is our natural state. You know, we live, our hearts, our true Buddha nature, our true being is a state of grace. You could say that. And that erupts through this wall of nonsense that we surround ourselves with. And when it does, it's like all the lights go on and we see clearly what direction we have to go in. We see, we have a moment of relief from the, the, uh, the fires of this world. That might be grace. But it's not something that you des- we deserve. It's not that we don't deserve it, but it's not based on that. They used to say about Maharaji in, in the Indian English, they'd say, "He has no cause to be kind. He needs no cause to be kind. His, his nature was kindness and compassion. Everyone who came to him received some blessing, the burden was lightened in some way, because it's his nature. It's not because he's doing it. It's not because we deserve it. It's just, this is the nature of the divine, of of love, is to just radiate. Regardless of what it's radiating on. Like the sun shines on everything. The good people, the bad people. It shines equally on everyone and everything. Not everyone feels the warmth of the sun. So maybe, maybe the real sun, the inner sun, has the power to allow us to feel it once in a while. And that cuts through our, our dreams and our fantasies and wakes us up and gives us a taste of that love. Maybe that's grace. Grace.